Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and this is Subliminal Message Studios. I am always your host, Leonardo, and we will have a lot of news to get down to because after all, we have been gone for a while. So let's get straight into the abyss and let's dive deep. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Leonardo. Well, it doesn't really, really seem like the Nebraska Senators are getting along a lot lately. Everyone's pointing their fingers at each other. No, you don't want to work with me. Yeah, it was because you're racist. That might be true. <laughs> it sounds kind of funny, but the reality of it is it's kind of not. Because after all, if all we're really doing is fighting with each other, then nothing is getting done. And if all we're really doing is to continue having discussions, well, when does the discussion become a distraction? When does discussions prevent us from action. And that is a very, very big thing. It's not like some of the legislations that are being pushed through here in the state of Nebraska are just small, little, easy things. It's not like we continue. We're still fighting over the school budget. We're still fighting of overspending out of taxation with personal property. Because there's bills that are in the state of Nebraska that are being produced to completely eradicate our educational systems to completely eradicate our judicial system that has been founded since the state of Nebraska was here two years after the ending of the Civil War. So what does this all mean? What is the, what, what is the state troopers and the police and the sheriff's office within the state of Nebraska working that working with the FBI to supposedly curve the drug the drug um, uh, epidemic that is scourging all across the Midwest, well, what is that really going to do you with the, when you're working with the same department that funded and, and, and operated Operation Fast and Furious? Or better, or better yet, how can we really, really trust the same department that had direct involvement in the January 6th Capitol riot? Oh, I'm sorry, the insurrection. Kind of like the same thing that Trudeau and the rest of the Democrats are um, saying. He says, you know what, as a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, if you, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me how crooked these things are really, really getting. Uh, uh, slope. I think it takes an extremely rose-colored glasses to not know what the obvious next step is, which is a fundamental restructuring of how this legislature operates. Just off the subject, just kind of off the subject. So, if you don't know, the Canadian truck protesters um, had a GoFundMe um, page set up, and it reached up to $10 million, okay? And uh, courts within, um, uh, within the Canada, Canadian government uh, decided to take that money away from them and give them to a supposed a charitable, a charitable, um, uh, a charitable you know, organization that really, really, really needed the money. Well, what did the naked Canadian truck protesters do? Well... They went and set up another campaign at another app. This time at Give, Send, Go. Well, guess what? Trudeau's government, the Canadian government, has went ahead and took almost $8.5 million away from Give, Send, Go. Now, you can still donate to their platform, to the Truck Canadian, uh, Truck Protest Canadian uh, Freedom Rally platform. However, that getting, getting, getting that money to the truck drivers that are protesting that are standing up for human rights all across the globe. It's also a rally for the 60% of Canadians who say they worry they can't afford food. It's for the 60-year-old small businessman who spent his entire adult life building up an enterprise 
and separation and divisiveness is being so brought forth in our country, why would you push the one legislation through as if someone told you, hey, why don't you make Nebraska more like Washington? We'd love to have her on the show. We could ask her some of those questions. I think, I think in, for the United States Senate and the advice and consent uh, function, function uh, I do not believe there should be a filibuster. I really don't. I, I think filibusters are okay if they are used for the right purpose. In other words, the purpose for the filibuster was to prevent extreme candidates. And I think that's an appropriate function to have. But that's not the way the Senate was using it. Doesn't matter whether it's from the Republican side or the Democratic side, it was being utilized for every uh, nominee that was that was coming forward. And every nominee, regardless of how qualified they were, um, was getting filibustered. So uh, I think at this point in time, until the Senate learns to behave themselves, and maybe, and, and I'm really depending on your generation, okay? I think it's your generation that is going to say, this is baloney. This is the baloney, the way the government is working, and that we're filibustering every piece of legislation or Supreme Court nominees or other nominees. And at some point in time, I think the filibuster has its appropriate place within the United States Senate, but it is being abused at this point in time. And take a look and watch. Uh, the filibuster is still alive and well uh, as far as legislating, but that's, that's the next step. The next step is, is going to be, whether it be the Republican Party or the Democratic Party in, in power, is going to take a look at the filibuster and, and say, you know what, we shouldn't have to have 60 votes on simple, straightforward legislation. Okay. Now, I hope to heck the filibuster remains, because I think it's an important uh, legislative tool for, tool for the minority party. So I hope it stays in place for legislative matters. And honestly, I think it would be appropriate, even in judicial matters, if it was used appropriately. But that, that's the next step that you're going to have to take a look at. So that's a threat to democracy. This city is under siege. They are now calling it an occupation. An alarming situation there in Ottawa. The police chief is calling it a nationwide insurrection driven by madness. I think it's part of the globalization of Trumpism. Canadians know where I stand. There have as much violence as some had perhaps projected, but that does not necessarily mean that it has been peaceful. Residents say they feel like hostages. Some protesters harassed a soup kitchen. These anti-vaxxers actually took food from the mouths of the homeless. Hungry, yeah. Because they were, they're, they're, they're so put upon. A small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable... Uh, views uh, that they're expressing. Many of them are holding Confederate flags. I've heard there are some QAnon supporters in the crowd. We've seen swastikas. We've seen the Confederate flag. This is a story of a country that got through this pandemic by being united, and a few people shouting and waving swastikas does not define who Canadians are. It's a cult. First part of that video was uh, Supreme Court Justice John Gerard. He was recommended by Senator ex Senator Ben Nelson to Barack Obama for nomination to, to Supreme Court Justice, and Barack Obama did nominate him on May 4th of 2011. So the Senate Committee Justice Floor then um, approved him on January 23rd in 2012. So isn't that really really coincidental? Right when the Biden administration 
really, really wants to put two strong, supposedly powerful, strong black women, not that that's racist or anything, him putting him in there just because they're black, not because of their experience and how truly, truly powerful they actually are for America. No, it's just because they're black. But that's not racist at all. And it just so happens that Stephen Mayer, the other Supreme Court justice judge that stepped down, that's stepping down or retiring as of right now, has very close ties with the Clinton family. What is this? Just is this the old Sicilian mobs coming back together, or something like that? Or maybe, or maybe a uh, um, Judge Gerard got a little talking to by ex-president Barack Obama. You know how that works. Now, of course, we are subliminal message studios. Can't really prove any of this. But oftentimes, when these things happen, they're just too coincidental. Knowing that the president, as of right now, can put in two Supreme Court judges, and that's the max, too. Well, I guess those favors come at the right time, right? This is subliminal message studio. LB892, which is the change of provisions of the Nebraska Real Estate License Act. It's being introduced by Senator Walls as of right now. And if you don't know anything about Senator Walls, neither did I before I made this video. So I actually had to do some information digging, digging up what I could find about her through any articles that she's produced, any um, things, any public records that are um, public, I should say. Of course, what's public doesn't really, really give you an who this person is and the real moral values of this person if you don't know that person personally. So just keep in mind, I've never met Senator Walls. You know, we here at Subliminal Message Studios, we're always going to make it a point that, you know, we can dig up as much information as we can about certain people. If we've never met them, if I've never met them and got a, and got a grip for who they might be personally, then I what I have based is what I see you doing within uh, the Nebraska Senate. What I'm going to say about you is the things that you have been producing through the Nebraska Senate, the pieces of legislation that I've seen you produce through the Nebraska Senate, and the things I've seen you hide in the Nebraska Senate. Oh, my bad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Not hide, neglect to tell certain, um, uh, certain uh, people in the chambers. Um, I digress. Now, um, let me go back uh, back to this. This is LB892, ladies and gentlemen. This is the change in provisions of the Nebraska Real Estate License Act. And I'm going to give you a little background um, with uh, Senator Walls. During her first two years in Nebraska legislation, she served on the Education and Natural Resources Committee between 2019 and 2020. And, uh, and Beninium, uh, she, was, uh, she served as vice chair on the Education Committee and a member of the Health and Human Services Board. She is also a former member of the Fremont Chamber of Commerce Board, and, a, and in the past, she was on the Fremont Board of Realtors. That is awful spooky. Now, we don't want put to put anything in her mouth, so we do have some footage on this. The Bloomer Message Studios was able to catch some uh, footage, so let's listen to that now and see what Senator Walls has to say and what her explanation is to change or uh, put a new uh, a piece of legislation through that would change uh, uh, change the uh, context of how you go about getting a license, ladies and gentlemen. But listen, in. let's see what she's uh, got to say. Good morning, everyone. 
And thank you, uh, first of all, to Chairman Williams and his committee for hearing this bill. And thank you to Speaker Hilders for placing LB 892 on the consent calendar today. LB 892 was brought to me by the Real Estate Commission and is essentially a cleanup bill that clarifies the statute the way laws are currently being enforced. First, the bill makes clear that wholesalers, these are people or individuals that enter into a contract for the purchase of real estate and then try to market that contract before taking title to the property, require a real estate license. So for example, wholesalers who would buy a house would enter into a purchase agreement and close in two months. Over the course of those two months, they sell their interest to someone else before closing or even owning the property. This is addressed in, at the end of section one and at the end of section two, subsection one. The Real Estate Commission has always interpreted the law this way, but they just prefer to have that statute with a line to point to rather than having to get an attorney's opinion. This is a rare occurrence at the moment, but we're trying to have this cleaned up so it doesn't become a problem in the future. The second piece of this bill would remove the waiver by experience procedures for those that have not had the statutorily required two years experience required to become a broker. That piece is addressed in section three, subsection three B by removing quote, equivalent or sufficiently relevant experience in a real estate related industry. So basically we are ensuring that someone has two years of experience to become a real estate broker. To give a little bit more context, someone has to be a real estate agent first and work for a real estate agency. After two years, they can become a real estate broker where they can practice or start their own agency. Again, this bill is just a cleanup bill to make sure we have a statute the way the law is being interpreted. There was no opposition to LB 892 and the Realtors Association came in full support. With that, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Mr. President. Thanks, Senator Well. Okay. No, well, that sounds fair. But you know what's also interesting to know? She's also, uh, she also, one of her other jobs, other than being on the Nebraska legislation, she's also working for Don and Peter Real Estate Company. Well, that's quite interesting. That's a real estate company. And she is on the Nebraska Senate trying to change the laws to um, acquire being a real estate licensed broker. Now, as much as um, as much as um, Don and Peterson's uh, real estate company would like to make everyone think that they are such a family business and we are just go lucky all the time and ho, 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 ho. well, it turns out that Subliminal Message Studios was actually able to get some court documents on some of the things that has happened in the past with Don and Peterson's. And wouldn't you know that Don and Peterson's hasn't been a family-owned business for quite some time? It turns out sometime between February 27th and 1986, between 1986 and 1987, Donna Peterson's is now, has been owned by Codwell Bank. If you don't know who Codwell Bank is, it turns out that Codwell Bank is also an umbrella company to the Blackstone Group. Blackstone Group is a subsidiary for the China, China uh, for the Chinese government. The Chinese government has bought more stocks into Blackstone real estate company than even America has. They own almost $6.6 .6 billion. But before we go into that, let me explain something to you about, um, now these, these are uh, leaked documents and you can actually, I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna put the link to these documents of public records online so you guys can go and look at them for, for, uh, to yourselves, but they're right here. 
Alright, listen to this, guys. Now, on February 27, 1987, the parties that executed a document entitled the Termination Agreement and Sell of Stock of Don Peterson's Agency Insurance Agency, Inc. Alright, now, 20 shares of the stock uh, for the sum of $35,520 were payable, uh, uh, payable on uh, April 1st. There is a first down payment of $55,520, $5,520. Um, plus $1,500 a month. Now, uh, that was beginning on May 1st, 1987. Now, that was uh, effective February 28th, 1987. The agreement also specified this agreement contains the entire agreement of the parties. The agency required down payment first two monthly installments due May 1st and June 1st. Were, uh, were, were, I'm sorry, were payable on, on 1987. However, after that, they stopped making payments thereafter, and the agency refused to make payments, and uh, they claimed that the plaintiff, that being um, Don, and, uh, Don, P uh, Don and Peter, the, the people that started the Don Peters' real estate company, the, the agency that was in um, uh, hold of their shares now claimed that they um, violated the covenant and stock redemption agreement. Now, uh, they then went to court on July 22nd, 1987, for recovery of the $27,000. Um, they both, both parties into a, uh, both parties into, into, entered into, into an agreement to sell the stock of the sum of $27,000 on February 27th, 1987, for pre-judgment uh, pre interest. Now the principal of twenty-seven thousand dollars that was given to Don and Peterson's real estate company. I'm sorry. Give me just a second. Um, give me just a second. Um, now um, the the court went on. I'm sorry. The court went on to say that no evidence was uh, no there is no evidence to substantiate the defendant's allegation that the plaintiff violated the non-complete non-compliant clause of the party's agreement. There is no genuine issue of marital fact, and that plaintiff was entitled to a judgment of twenty-seven thousand dollars plus from the Caldwell Bank. The court overruled the Caldwell Bank's. Uh, the, uh, I'm sorry. The, the court overruled. The plaintiff's request for attorney fees and the record is silent on the disposition of the agency motion for leave to amend. And the court, the agency, had assigned two errors, alleging that the district court erred in sustaining plaintiff's motion for parental, uh, partial summary judgment upon finding that the covenant not to compete was enforceable as a matter of law, and in sustaining plaintiff's motion for summary judgment upon finding that the under evidence presented $27,000 was due to the plaintiffs under the termination agreement. Now, uh, that uh, that being said, these are all documents that were, uh, that was uh, all released. It turns out the Caldwell Bank had uh, um, was refusing to pay Donna Peterson's Donna Peterson uh, uh, Donna Peterson, uh, Peterson themselves because Caldwell Bank bought them out. They have never been a family a family company for a very very long time now. And it just so happens, like I said, Senator Walls works for Don Don and Peterson's company. And there's also some other uh, other things that we're also wondering too. But other senators kind of got to us first. So there's one more video, a couple more videos that we want to uh, watch. Because was there a problem with the real estate, with re getting your real estate license before 
any of this stuff come up? Was there a problem with the um, rules of how of what you're supposed to do getting your real estate license? And it turns out it's not just me that's asking these questions. There's also another senator. There, so someone would not required education and become a broker without two years of experience, is that what you're saying? You would have to have two years of experience as a realtor before becoming a broker. That's not the way it is now, right? It's equivalent. It says equivalent or, just a second, sorry, equivalent or sufficiently relevant experience. This codifies and says you have to have two years of experience right. as so, a realtor. Okay. Let me see if I can uh, clarify this a little. When I became a real estate agent back in 03, there was an option. I could have became a salesperson, or if I took more required classes, more hours, I could have become a broker. That provision will longer be available? Uh, according to this, it says that you would have to have two years of experience before automatically becoming a broker. So. After two years of experience, I automatically become a broker, or do I still have to test no. for it? No. No, you still have to test for it, Senator Urban. I think you know better than that. <laughs> okay, so you're saying we still have to take the test? Yeah, you sure do. Okay. So, what's the, what's the reason for changing that? It's just to make sure that um, someone has two years of experience, and it's not just a, uh, again, equivalent or sufficient sufficiently relevant. I mean, what they're clarifying that. <laughs> it kind of cracks me up. I'm sorry. Equivalent or sufficient knowledge of whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's almost like that was just written up by an attorney. But it's like that every single time. Because only people who are profiting that will ever profit from that is high-end real estate companies. Codwell Bank. Donna Peterson's Co., it's not just a family-owned company. They're bought out by a big subsidiary like Codwell that is, oh, that that is that that is owned by bigger banks like the Federal Reserve, by bigger banks like Mutual of Omaha, like by bigger banks, and all of this is coming to a head. So what are we going to do, Senator? Let's say your piece of legislation goes through. Well, the average Joe can no longer just go sell his house anymore because he has to hire a real estate agent to do it for them. Because he doesn't have equivalent or sufficient um, uh, responsive mucho blah blah blah. Now, of course, we here at Subliminal Message Studios can't can't really prove any of this. But what we can prove is that you are working for Donna Peterson's real estate company. Donna Peterson's real estate company is anything but a family-owned business. And not even just that. The only people that are going to profit from it seems to be you. And the people that are on your side. Now, of course, we're not going to attack you all the way, but what we are saying is you, piece, is you pushing this piece of legislation through has nothing to do with the Nebraska people because the only people that are really, really going to be affected by it is us. And I wonder if anyone even really knows this about you, Senator. Do, does anyone, you sound like you really, really pronounce that on most people, but this is public information, right? It's not like you're going to use this piece of legislation to help you and your cronies get rich off of us. Because now, when I want to sell my house, why well, have to go hire a real estate agent? 
I can't sell it myself under this provision act. But I'm not the only one that feels this way. See, it turns out that the senator that we just said I had on, he also had some very interesting questions. Some of the same questions that we would ask. Here, watch who have gotten their broker's license directly uh, when they first started into real estate. Has it been a problem? Is that why we introduced this? Um. I don't know the answer to that question. I, I mean, personally, I think it's important that everybody, before just, you know, hanging up a shingle and saying that I'm a real estate broker, I think it's important that you do have two years of experience. So I would imagine that that's why this is so important. Do you know of anyone who became a broker directly from the, from the general population who took the test and the required education and became a broker? I don't personally. I would assume there are some, and if there is some, I don't, I don't see that it's a big problem. I don't know that those people have been doing things incorrectly. If they've had the necessary training, did you? Uh, I, I think I think you're uh, a solution. Look, look uh, a problem looking for a solution here. I, I don't think it's necessary to do that last part. I think it's just a clarification for the real estate commission, so there's no confusion. There was no confusion before take the necessary classes and take the test, you become a broker. You take two, you have two years of experience, you take the test and you pass, you become a broker. What's the confusion? There's none. <laughs> I think the confusion That's your opinion, is Senator Ernest. Well, that may be because I have common sense and this doesn't look like it's common sense to me. And so I think what it is, I think this is what it is. I think it's a protectionist bill to make sure that not a lot of people get into real estate. That's all the questions I have. Oh, great. Thank you. I think that's what it is. We've done that before. Uh, we raised the number of hours of, of uh, uh, to recertify every two years. And we did that, and then we raised the standards of the test so it eliminates the people from getting into real estate. It's a protectionist attitude that they have. I don't, I don't know that this is a good idea. Either they pass the test, they understand what real estate brokerage is, or they don't. Why then? We continue to make it more difficult for people to get a job, for people to do their job, because we have more stipulations and regulations in place. So I'm not in favor of 892 if it has that qualification in it. Thank you. Thanks, Senator Herdman. So what does this all mean? Well, under Senator Wall's provision, it means that the private citizen here in Nebraska, he no longer has the ability to just outright sell his house that he's worked so hard for. He or she has worked so hard for. It means that you have, from under her provision, you now have to hire a, a real estate agent that has equivalent um, uh, professionality in the selling houses. It doesn't matter if on the past that she's worked on the Fremont Board of Realtors. It has nothing, and it has nothing to do with here, uh, with, with right now that she's worked with Donna Peterson's real estate company. As if that's not going to help Donna Peterson's real estate company, which it turns out is one of the biggest real estate companies here in the Midwest. But I guess we'll just brush that all off. That has nothing to do. Who cares if you can no longer sell your house? Who cares instead of paying a 0.3% interest of commission when you do hire a real, estate, uh, a real estate agent to sell your house, to help you sell your house? You're now going to be paying a 0.7% commission to that real estate agent. But I guess just that's not how it works. It's just a little something to think about.
Nebraska. It's just a little something to think about because these are certain things that, of course, you're not really going to see on KTV. It's something that the mainstream media doesn't really, really want to tell you. They never wanted to tell you that Donna Peterson's company hasn't been a family-owned business since the 1980s. 1987, to be more exact. It was bought out by Codwell Bank. Codwell Bank is an umbrella company, or Codwell Bank is under the umbrella of Blackstone, the Blackstone Agency, the Blackstone Real Estate Company. But I guess we all just will just push that aside. We'll push everything aside knowing that Senator Walls currently is now working as of right now for Donna Peterson's Co. And the only person, the only main group that it would help if that provision went through in our, in our uh, judiciary system would be companies like that. It wouldn't be the average, average Joe of Nebraska. It would take our right away and it would further push the globalist agenda to take away the American dream of getting you into your first-time house, getting you into your, 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 the American dream of buying, of being a first-time homeowner. You see, the globalists want every single one of us in these small little complexes, like little rats. So when it comes to round them up, we're already in one place. American dream is something that the globalists want to kill and they want to get rid of it right away. And Senator Lindsey Hughes is sure helping that globalist agenda go just that much ahead. Whether she's doing it because she knows she's doing it or maybe just like a lot of the times, she's a puppet and she just doesn't know it. See myself.
back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Subliminal Message Studios, and I am always your host, Leonardo. Well, Senator Rose is at it again, but it's not just her. We don't want to just focus on her because we all we all want everyone to understand that this is a what's going on right now is a global global plan. You know, um, the Davos Group and the Bilderberg Groups, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Clinton Foundation. They're, they, you know, these guys, these guys are all, all in it. So when they introduced Agenda 21, and it didn't happen, they were pissed. So when they introduced Agenda 30, this time they're being dead serious. And we have what, what is happening right now and in the Midwest is so very, very important because what we are seeing is literally what we saw going on in the east coast and the west coast states it wasn't just it but the only thing was it wasn't getting broadcasted it wasn't getting put on television the steps of the decentralization of cities like cities and states like california and new york city and uh, minneapolis all these states they had progressive legislations getting pushed through that made it lawless that made it completely stupid and played it and made it dumbed down ladies and gentlemen those legislations are getting brought to the midwest they're being called something different and they're even being wrapped up in a completely different light but make no mistake the eradication of the of the our educational school systems is happening the privatization of our highways is happening the decentralization of our of our government and our state constitution in Nebraska is happening. Okay, these people that are on the are on the committee board of natural resources and development. These guys are evil as fuck, and they have been trying for so long to make sure that they get Nebraska because right now Nebraska. No one is talking about this. This pisses me off. But right here in Nebraska, Nebraska is doing something that America, or I should say the rest of the other states, have a very big problem doing. We mind our own business and we go to work. You understand what I'm saying to you? We mind our own business and we go to work. Now, that being said, let's cover this, let's cover this just amazing news that seems as if we never, uh, they never, uh, you know, give you on KTV. You know these these new these these talking points I should say. If that's what I really really have here is a talking point. I don't see I don't consider any of these points a talking point. What I consider this is the news that they're not telling you, the actual things that are affecting us. Like when they talk about when they, like uh, over the last I don't know how many years, one of the things that's always mentioned on our on our Nebraska Senate is the overspending with schools. But we never really, really get down to some of the real things that matter and who's spending the money. But that much more will be brought ahead, ladies and gentlemen. Now, LR181, an interim study to examine home visitation for families in Nebraska, introduced by Senator Walls. Now, if some of you are wondering what the hell is unannounced interim visits, uh, what's the definition of that? Don't worry. I'm going to give it to you. It means periodic visits to a facility to monitor compliance with government entities and or public entities such as families and mucho blah blah blah. You know, there's it's a bunch of political jargon. But here's the definition of it, all right? Unannounced interim visits, all right? It means periodic visits to a facility to monitor compliance 
with standards, to monitor compliance with standards. That is a very, very, uh, um, that's, that's a, that's spelling. That's how they use words to spell you, to monitor compliance um, with standards. Now, um, uh, what I first thing, before I even go ahead, first thing I want you to realize is that standards always should, uh, always should change. The standards of unannounced intern visits will continue to change and they get more progressive, they get more dangerous, just like the no-knock warrants, you know what I mean, got more progressively dangerous, okay? But the compliance with those standards will always stay the same because it will always, compliance never changes. Compliance means you always, you always do what they say. Now standards, they will also, they're ultimately neglected and up for change. People vote on different standards in different times. Let me uh, come, uh, begin with this All right now. Unresolved life, health, or safety violation means a life, life, healthy, or safety violation that is not corrected in an approved corrective plan of action or that is reoccurred after the life or healthy, health or safety violation was noted during an interim monitor visit. All right. Now, um, I'm going to hold up a piece of paper. This is a board that was in South Carolina. This, these boards show the demographics of, of kids that were put into adoption agencies from the state. It shows the demographics of kids that are ultimately free, as if like kids that were 16 years old and they said, I want to be emancipated. And it also shows the kids that were um under these unannounced interim visits and they were ultimately released back to their parents. Now, the that bar is parents, that yellow bar is kids that have been emancipated, that blue bar is the kids that went to the state, that went to adoption agencies after this was enacted, all right? Now, uh, to give you a full view of it right now, um, In, in the, uh, ultimately, years in the years since this has been enacted out in South Carolina, because this is a new stuff. This was first introduced. LR one eight one was first introduced in May eighteenth, two thousand twenty one. So this has been going on for uh, quite a while now. This is not something new. Now I'm just going to give you the graphs of it. Okay, these two graphs are in the years of two thousand nineteen or two thousand seventeen to two thousand nineteen, and then two thousand seventeen to eighteen. 18 to 19, 19 to 20, 20 to 21. Uh, this being said, um, it constantly arose. In between 18 and 19, you can see 686 under this provision have went to the state and have got stripped away from parents. Stripped away from parents. And, and I've looked up. I've looked up. I've, I've looked up some of these. Um, uh, some of the provisions that had something to do with this. I just. I only want to spend a short time with this because this is a very, very important day. Because, but I also want to get to uh, how this lays in into the school budget. Because I, I want you. I, I want, ladies and gentlemen. I want you guys to understand something, if I, if I may, real quick. LR18 is ties into our school budget more than you know. It ties into Senator Walls wanting to put a social worker, I don't know if you guys see this, wanting to put a social worker, uh, if you can't see, if you can read backwards, <laughs> uh, it goes with wanting to put a social worker ever at every ECU, ladies and gentlemen. But that being said, just by these, uh, by these demographs, um, 522 between 16 and 17, 
all went to the state. That's Coe's uh, uh, um, uh, land with 490 that went back to their parents in between 17 and 18. There's 556 that went to the state and 478 that stayed with their parents. Now in between 18 and 19, it was 686 that went to the state and only 504 that went to their parents. Um, along with that, it was 583 that... Um, between 19 and 20 that went to the state. Uh, 630 were emancipated in between those years and 555 went back to their parents. In 2020 and 2021, it was 504 that went to the state and 446 that went to their parents. Now, I'm going to hit you guys with some fucking plan, guys. Uh, and um, it is, uh, let's just say this shit ain't no joke. Um, it is not a joke. So this is also a, another bill that is being introduced by uh, uh, several key Democrats that we have here in this uh, great state of Nebraska. But we do also have some video footage. I tried to continue my discussion of the bill. And I wanted to allude to the article that I certainly read. I know a number of us did. The Senator Kavanaugh just referenced. Well, there appears to be an article in the World Herald that were the sponsor and lead supporters of this bill acknowledge that it's fundamentally broken. We kind of acknowledge that our criticism of the bill the past week or so is accurate. Had we not put up the fight, had we not done what we've done, this bill could have potentially sailed through and bad policy or not, broken numbers or not, would have been enacted into the law. It took multiple, multiple, multiple days of raising these issues repeatedly to get an acknowledgement that the math didn't work the way the math was reported to work. This is things that have been in black and white in the bill from the day it's been first made. Alex, when you're telling me that you know the bill doesn't work the way you want it to, but you still really want it, I'm not necessarily sure, like, like when I'm negotiating, am I negotiating on the side of, like, correct math? Like, what part of this negotiation am I supposed to be taking? Like, where, where, where is my negotiation supposed to be coming forward? But at a certain point, if the proposal itself is not in good shape, if it's not good policy, there's a little bit of, like, I'm allowed to just say no. Like, if the numbers don't make sense, the numbers don't make sense. You know, I don't have to go brainstorm and work new numbers to accomplish the things that you say is your number one issue. Like, I'm willing to hear other things. Like I said, I don't necessarily support caps on schools some sort of compromise and things that I wanted got incorporated, sure, like I could maybe agree to a number, but I'm going to venture a guess that the number that I would want, my basically floor is going to be higher than your ceiling. And that's the thing is, I keep talking about this over and over and over again, is there's one side kind of negotiating with itself, one position kind of negotiating with itself, that we have to get these caps done so we can change Teosa. I'm not in a rush to change Teosa especially if it's conditioned on these caps. When you say, if this bill fails, we're not going to change the OSA this, this year, we're going to do something else, that's not much of a threat to me, because that's, you're, you're threatening me with also something that I'm pretty skeptical of. Um, that there's, there's not, like, there's not the, the, the backup there. Colleagues, if you want comprehensive changes to school funding, if you want comprehensive changes to school policy, if you want comprehensive changes to Practice, like propose it. And we're free to take it. And uh, you've got multiple priorities, I'm sure, looming out there. We'll do another one as well. 
But when there's a fundamentally broken bill, as we kind of acknowledge, uh, that in my mind is also just a fundamentally bad education policy, I don't know why there's a burden or a thought or a notion that I have to come to the table to fix things that have been apparently broken to the table that don't accomplish what they want to do. And as I've been saying, are harsher, are harsher on the larger growing school districts than they are in other ones. As I've said before, I'll say it many times, I'm sure I'll say it many times last, uh, again, you know, if you don't want my vote as a Lincoln senator who represents Lincoln Public Schools family, that's fine, but don't do a bill that brings down the hammer that cuts Lincoln Public Schools' ability, authority, flexibility, whatever. Don't do that to my school district and then act surprised that I don't want to, say, cut their spending authority and potentially give away their state aid. Because that is not the, something I can talk to my constituents with in a straight face. Thank you, Mr. Colleagues, this has been clear that this bill is important. I grant that it's important. I grant that people care about it deeply. But it is, as we've talked about it last year, as we've talked about this idea over and over again, it is, for me at least, pretty close to a non-starter. Because I think it is a really strict and severe restriction, it will largely inflate it or, or uh, probably in terms of the out-of-control school spending. Address property taxes, property tax credit relief fund, actually changing some levies or something. Okay, we can talk about this, but when you're saying, hey, we're going to mess in with school budget authority and kind of a back end way to then leverage dollars later in the future to solve property taxes, that's where you start losing me on that, whether or not it's even good policy. Thank you. Very interesting to note. But let's leave, I want you guys to read how um, how these how uh, some of these articles are written. All right. So this is a this is the main recent article that's went out. It's only a few, a few days old. Now um, it says legislative committee hears bill to dramatically alter school aid formula measure measure coupled with uh, company uh, companion bill seeks to increase state aid to education, reduce property tax reliance. All right, now supporters of public ed public education in Nebraska are hoping a new bill can help the states final arrive at a more equitable way of funding schools. Senator Lynn Walls, LB 890, was heard in the Nebraska Legislation Education Committee on Tuesday. It would make changes to the state education formula, uh, uh, to the education formula called Educational Stabilization Base Aid. Walls says this plan would raise Nebraska's standing in state support of schools. Um, now. Um, uh, another uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, this isn't all about um, Senator Walls. It's just she's the one that is taking the hits right now. Now, one of the main sponsors for this bill in particular is Senator Brett Lindstrom. Who would have ever thought of that? I did not see that one coming. Being dead honest. Uh, that that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Subliminal Message uh, Subliminal Message Studios has done a little on its own digging by itself, and um, we've got a little map for you, all right? Now, um, uh, over the spread of time, uh, the 244 schools in Nebraska have seen an average growth of 2.89% annually, with a range of 2.32% up to 2. Point, or uh, up to 3.57%. The highest average growth for an individual uh, individual school district was at 17.8%, with the lowest um, lowest uh, lowest was negative 2.86% percent. Uh, uh, percent. Now, um, setting that all aside, right, ladies and gentlemen, um, 
and, and not just that. Uh, one of one of the main one of one of the one of the ways they're going to pull this money is from taking away the citizens' um, tax credit that was put into that was put into place for the pandemic. But I want you guys to listen to this next video, and I want you guys also to realize how this is all really based on all spending money. You know, this has nothing to do, even with the senators that I agree with when it comes to um, the overspending of schools, which is something that we continue to see here in Nebraska. They always talk about the overspending, the overspending. We're always overspending. The schools don't know how to uh, spend the money the right way. Just li listen to this video, and Subliminal Message Studios has done its own digging and we think we have the real answer, and not just that, some of the, one of the key answers of why it continues to happen. But this will never be brought up in committee, and the only person that did got shut down by the chair, by the uh, uh, president, by the uh, Senate president, faster than Tina Turner speaking out against Ike. But, ladies and gentlemen, that being said, before we get into this, which, I, like I said, I think this is key, and this is one of the fundamental things that they will never talk about ktv wow tv pbs they won't talk about this because they don't want the nebraska people to know that this is more important than spending money if all we really continue to talk about is how much money we're spending and and where we need to spend the money that's that's another uh, uh that's another thing i always hear is we're just not spending spending the money and putting the money in the right place. That being said, I don't want to keep procrastinating. Here's the video right here. Uh, how we're going to fund this thing, because all of a sudden the 1107 money got brought up yesterday, and I guess that's part of what's been proposed in LB891. We need to remember the 1107 money, this refundable income tax credit, somebody suggested yesterday that that's income tax relief. No, it's not. It's a rebate, a refund, a refundable income tax credit. You claim on your income tax return based on your school property taxes paid. That is property tax relief. It was initially set at $125 million, which represented about 6% of your school property taxes paid. It has grown to $548 million, which represents, using the math, represents 26% of your school property taxes paid. Reality, because of inflationary pressures on school spending, uh, it's probably closer to 24% of your school property taxes paid. But the proponents of this proposal, they would take away that refundable income tax credit, which is a rebate of 24% of your school property taxes paid. And so, any tax, if, if this would go into place as what is currently proposed with the floor amendment. We would have taxpayers giving up 20% of their school property tax relief, and what would they get for it in, in return? Taxpayer out at Elgin, he might, he or she might get a 4.9% reduction in their levy, but they're going to give up a 25%, roughly a 25% uh, tax refundable income tax credit. So they would see a tax increase of 20% of their school taxes paid. Let me repeat, a tax increase of 20% of their school taxes paid. Taxpayer in Boone Central, one of my neighbors, they would uh, give up the 25% credit, and they would, in return for that, they would get a possible reduction in their levy of about 16%, so they'd have a roughly a 9% property tax increase in their school property taxes paid. Somebody at Sand Hills, 
isn't going to benefit at all from this. They're going to have roughly a 25% increase in their school property taxes paid. And so what are we accomplishing with this? We're sending the bulk of these dollars, we're taking away this refundable income tax credit, which is direct property tax relief to every Nebraska taxpayer. What are we doing with it? The bulk of it is going to urban schools. So the bottom line is, the way I see this, is that you are forcing, essentially forcing rural Nebraska property taxpayers to pay more property taxes so we can send more money to urban schools. And that's just not going to work the way it's the way it's uh, set up now. So that's why I strongly oppose what we're talking about here. Again, I, I uh, described the three key elements that I... The... Well, suddenly, that doesn't really seem fair. Taking money and overtaxing rural rural people to pay for an urban uh, uh, an urban education that is ultimately failing in the first place. If we haven't noted that during this during this epidemic or during this pandemic, our educational systems and our educational boards have shown the real color. Anywhere from telling your child that parents don't really, really know what they're talking about, all the way from, no, you can't speak about God in school because that's not important. But what is important is making sure that your child has their best booster and has their best testosterone pills because after all we wouldn't want a boy acting like a boy and a girl acting like a girl now um another person that doesn't seem so happy about it is another one of our senators and i just um actually want to play this just because it's honestly hilarious world herald where they both are quoted talking about how they know that this isn't going to work the way that it's intended and that they challenge us to uh something better i propose I proposed things last week, and we had four days, and I didn't hear from either one of you. Four days off, and I didn't hear from either one of you, and you know I oppose it, and you know that I have offered other things. But here you are, in black and white, telling the World Herald that nobody is willing to work with you. But from my perspective, you're not willing to work with me. When somebody opposes my bill, and they stand on the floor, and they spend hours talking about what they don't like about it, figure out how to make it better. I'm very tired of this double standard. If you want a compromise, then work on a compromise. But don't chastise me on the floor of the legislature saying I'm unwilling to compromise. And if I oppose something, then I oppose it. But I am always willing to listen. I'm always willing to talk. I've always been willing to listen to talk to both of you. But I am tired of being told on the microphone over and over again, and now in black and white, that I'm not willing to work with you. You both know that that is not true. That is patently false. I will have a conversation with you. I will try to find some middle ground if it's possible. And I am not told by any lobbyist what to do. The school don't like it. And I like the school. That's not why I'm opposing this. I'm opposing this because I think it is bad policy, and I don't think that it is the way to achieve true property tax relief and school funding. That is why I oppose it. Not because somebody told me to. And I'm pretty sure every single person in this room and in that rotunda can agree that it is very hard to tell me to do something. I'm a Capricorn. I'm pretty stubborn. 
no matter which way we go with um, spending money and how much money we are going to spend and taking money away from rural communities, which I get, and giving it to urban communities uh, to help with their help with their school funding, that is everything I understand. But what I don't understand is, does it really matter? We already so like we already covered the average school uh, school growth was two point eight nine percent within the state of Nebraska, with a range of three point fifty seven percent. And now what we're hearing is with uh, Senator Lindsey Walls as a former bur- uh, former board member of the Education Committee and a member of the Health and Human Services. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the bill that says we can keep educational board members on the Educational Committee or Educational Board through secret balloting. So it does not matter how much money or where we direct our money to. All the board members are elected through secret process, secret committees, secret meetings. We have no control of who we keep on the boards of uh, education. They'll just keep on spending all the money, all the money, all they want. Because after all, the taxpayers are paying for it. Oh, and if we ever want to get rid of any of these board members, that's not allowed right now. You see, the people are no longer allowed to get rid of the educational board members under the new provisions that were doctored in 2021. Now it has to be approved through the House or through the Senate of Nebraska before the people in Nebraska decide that, well, if all these education board members are the ones who are in control of spending the money. They control where this money goes. But yet our Senate have to, our Senate our senators have to come up with legislation to keep on moving the money around to then say, well, we're spending too much money. Well, when it's the education board members and we are in control of it and not just just in control of it, some of these board members have been on the committee over 10 years through secret electoral ballot processing. It's just something interesting and it's just something I never, never see brought up. Because after all, KTV and all these other mainstream medias, they're not going to tell you about it. But it really, really does matter if we're really, really trying to slow or stop the overspending with schools. Maybe get rid of the secret balloting process and get rid of some of the people that are in control of spending the money. This is Subliminal Message Studios, ladies and gentlemen, and I am always your host, Leonardo. Of course, we will get right back to the rest of this, uh, rest of this information. We have a few things on the local edge that I do want to get to. Um, uh, I do want to get to the Nebraska legislation uh, passing the bill to reduce inheritance tax, which I'm sure to a lot of you sounds awesome. And even to me, it sounded amazing, too. This is a, uh, a pretty, pretty new bill. That being said, as always, there's always so much more that are in these bills that they don't really, really tell you about. I analyze, I analyze it all, and I have it all for me, right when, right, all for you, right when we get back. Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry.
this legislature operates. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Leonardo, and this is Subliminal Message Studios. Now, uh, to jump right into it with this Nebraska legislation uh, bill that was passed to reduce the inheritance tax, that sounds peachy. It sounds awesome. This is where it really, really gets uh, sketchy. Now, um, just to touch base on the inheritance tax bill and, and what is exactly in that uh, being said, this only truly helps out. This new inheritance tax that was uh, pushed through, this only helps the, let's just say, the better off. Because if you're a millionaire, you're not really rich. And, and I, I understand if some of us, some of you are saying, are you serious? You don't think a millionaire is rich? No, I absolutely do not think a millionaire is rich. I think he is well off, but I do not think he is rich. See, see, the real rich, they spend, uh, they spend millions and millions of dollars on a cup of tea if they really, really want to. They don't care. And those are the real people that we here at Subliminal Message Studios are after because those are a bunch of satanic, sadistic, Luciferian Nazis. And um, like I said, they use puppets without the puppet even knowing that they're being used. And I am literally pointing directly at you, um, Senator uh, Walls. Um, which is a shame because I actually have, um, I've done my little research on you and I, I do think there is some good that you have done. However, you are being used right now. And um, I'm, I'm going to continue to say that because you are. Um, now that being said, um, now the federal government has one stipulation that may apply to the Nebraska residents with large enough estates. As being said in 2021, it was around $11.70 million that you could protect within the state of Nebraska. Now it moved up to $12.6 million, which means ultimately you can protect up to $24.12 million. That being said, like I was already stated, most of us do not have that type of money in our bank account. Now, if you do, more power to you. I'm not knocking you at all, man. I want you to keep on doing good because I am one person that honestly knows that um, uh, you uh, being a millionaire does not make you rich at all. That makes you very well off, and I'm very proud of you, man, but you are nowhere near what some of these globalists, uh, their accounts are because they buy countries. You can't even buy a city. Now, that being said, all of the Nebraska legislation, I'm sorry, the Nebraska legislation bill that would uh, that got um, uh, pushed through that would um, uh, exempt uh, exempt or reduce some inheritance taxes. Let me show you how these brackets work because I did a little math on this and I hate math. I literally do. I absolutely hate math. But I did a little brackets on this. I'm a little mathematician, if you will. Um, now let's say if you're uh, let's say if you have a 19.88 million dollar estate, you're basically you know all, all to Cut all the shenanigans. The, the your base taxes on that would be three point million dollars, seventy three hundred thousand dollars, and eight hundred. Three million, uh, three seventy three point eight hundred. Okay, that's basically your tax for that. Now, let's say if you inherit twenty thousand dollars, you're still going to be. You're not going to be. Uh, you're not going to be exempt. This bill is not going to happen. Let's say if you inherit $20,000. Well, your taxes on that $20,000, under this new provision now, under this new uh, legislation bill, that $20,000 is, is still taxable up to 8% now, which, uh, which it used to be in 2021. It used to be only taxable up to 4%. Now it's 8% because, after all, like I said, this Nebraska bill, is as, as great as it sounds, it did not get put in for the general population, unfortunately, of Nebraska. Let's say if you um, inherited under $50,000, 
Your baseline would once again uh, would once again be seven to eight percent. Once you get up to one hundred to two hundred thousand dollars, they go up uh, seven point one, seven point two. But the main line is, is when you really start to get very good tax uh, tax breaks out of inheritance and lower stipulation tax rates is when you have that big enough estate of let's say nineteen point eight eight million dollars. So this inheritance tax bill did not get pushed through for the better of Nebraska. I just want to make sure that clear. And that is the rest of our local news, ladies and gentlemen. That being said, I'm going to see you on the other side where we will cover our local news. We will cover the um, the rest of the teachers and the rest of the parents that are speaking out, continue to speak out against our educational board members. Because like I said, I'm going to say this once again, before I end uh, our local our local coverage, I, want to, I really, really want to re reiterate this. We all need to understand that there is a lot of good teachers out there. There's a lot of great teachers out there, and they have a job to do. And, it's not, and I'm not giving them an excuse, but what I want you to understand is it is not them that are pushing these ideals through their classes. They're getting them from the educational board members. Now, some teachers are going ahead, which we've seen this plenty, plenty of times. Some teachers are completely fine with, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll teach whatever you want me to teach. I don't care. Just give me the grant money, which is unfortunately a very, very bad thing that we are suffering through right now with state schools only being worried about getting the grant so they can go on for another year. Pushing back education, pushing back imagination with our students and really, really dumbing them down, which is what these SAT tests are for, which is exactly, exactly, literally what they are put in the uh, state education, uh, state education forms for is to literally dog train your kid, dog train your child. That was one of the, that was one of the direct quotes that came out of, um, one of our senators' mouth, or one of our um, uh, Supreme Court justice judges' mouth, like at the at right now, I cannot remember his name, but I promise you, I'll remember his name and I'll bring it up next segment. That being said, I want you guys to understand that not all teachers are bad, man, and that doesn't mean not all educational board members are bad. Some of them have actually stepped down because they don't want anything to do with what's being produced in our educational systems. But what I will tell you is if we don't stand up as parents and what we if we do not choose to stand up right now and choose to stop this and correct this right now then tyranny will continue to blossom it will continue to construct our lives in every aspect without us knowing subconsciously and it will now start to be consciously but we now see it as we live our daily lives which is truly why I think the work I do is very, very important. This is, it's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about it, man, because this stuff is serious. Eradicating, eradicating the practice exam within the state of Nebraska is serious. Forty other states have it. We are going, we're going to bring that down to 30, 39 if we get rid of our practice exam. And the states, like I said, I'm going to continue to say this, the states that got rid of the practice exam, and particularly their educational levels have dropped dramatically, um, which I have all that information for you right here. And we are going to get to that, just how dramatically they have dropped nationally and with some other states that we are going to cover on our global segment or on our world segment where we cover our world news. Ontario to declare a state of emergency in our province. 
and I will convene cabinet to use legal authorities to urgently enact orders that will make crystal clear it is illegal and punishable to block and impede the movement of goods, people, and services along critical infrastructure. Stop it. Welcome to Subliminal Message Studios, ladies and gentlemen. I, as always, am your host, Leonardo, and this is the second half where we bring you the world news as is, because we have a lot to get into, so let's get to it. Mobbing people, just, I mean, just beating this woman. I mean, literally beating her senseless. She's naked. So I, don't know what, I don't know what that's about. San Francisco making great strides, passing great gun laws. We have the federal government um, uh, putting a, a stimulus package in, so make sure you have federal crack pipes. You see, we, we want to make sure that you have the right crack pipe when you're getting tweaked out. Watch a little Billy go to his high school. What we want you to be, where we want you to sleep. <laughs> Uh, that uh, not not only that we have uh, we have the Afghans uh, protesting because sleepy poopy uh, Biden uh, did something that I actually semi agree with. You see, uh, uh, before we even get to that, we, there's so much other things to get to, um, and, it, and it all um, semi ties in. Some of these things ties in with each other. Um, one of these things tie in directly with um, the overdose epidemic that is going on right now. I know a lot of you think it has to do strictly with the cartels, and it's uh, it's the drug dealers and the gangsters that are really bringing this shit in, but I have news for you. Those guys ain't shit, and they know it. The baby is a little bitch, and I'm going to say that for you for a fact, because even he knows he doesn't run shit. If he ever gets out of line, yeah, uh, let's just say uh, families like the Sackler family can come... Uh, take you out real quick and that goes in line with any of these other so-called um, gangsters that you see online nowadays that you see um, you have to realize these boys ain't real gangsters the real gangsters uh, put on business suits and come at you with lawyers and shit like that man and then they put a, a SWAT team that they paid off to come and kill you at your house that's how it happens now that being said, before we really, really tie some of this stuff to get into, and we really get into our other uh, obnoxious, uh, let's just say that, um, uh, obnoxious articles that we have found, and we've also analyzed for you, ladies and gentlemen. That being said, I know you guys uh, uh, have been paying attention to the Freedom Convoy, and uh, uh, which is going on in Canada and what's going on right now. I know you guys have seen the atrocious uh, uh, videos of the police taking gas cans away from the truck drivers. But if you look at it right now, um, it looks like it, it, it looks like a, a dead zone. There is no one. The trucks have moved. A deal was struck. Uh, however, that being said, uh, there is uh, some interesting uh, things, uh, new things that have come about. Some videos, let's just say that that maybe you haven't seen and maybe you didn't know about the, uh, know about these guys. Now, um, that being said, let's just get right into it. Doug Ford declares state of emergency over truck blockades. Uh, now, Ontario Premier Doug Ford declared a state of emergency over the siege in Ottawa and truckers' blockades at border crossing, saying those who refuse to leave will face the severe consequences, including $100,000 fines, even jail time. 
Now, he's going on to say that uh, those who refuse to leave are going to face severe consequences because they're children. After all, he has to pat the little children on the back because that's what we are to these six sadistic criminals. You know what I mean? They treat us as if they are treating children because that's what they are used to playing with is children. They're pedophiles and they're sick and they need to be removed from office. And you will see after I give you this information about uh, Doug Ford, you'll see just how bad it truly is and how this corruption came about in uh, Canada because like I said, I'm going to keep on saying it, this is a globalist agenda and puppets get used. Uh, they get used even though they don't know they're puppets. Right? Now, um, uh, with this declared state of emergency, the start of the pandemic means Ford and his cabinet will urgently enact orders that will make crystal clear it is illegal and punishable to block and impede the movement of goods, people, and services along critical infrastructure. Now, uh, this will include protecting international border and crossing foreign series, highways, airports, bridges, and railroads. This order is in effect for 14 days. Now, um, this is what uh, what is key for me, and this is what should be key for you, uh, for the uh, my fellow Canadians out there, my, freedom, my fellow freedom fighters all around the world. As uh, Ford goes on to say, the, these permanent, uh, that new permanent laws will follow. Now, um, what that means is, is this this freedom convoy was such a great thing, and such a great thing for the people. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about uh, the politics. You see, this freedom convoy really, really showed the people of this world, the general population of this world, that we can really, really make a difference. And it's really, really up to us. It's really up to the coin in our pocket. And the strength in our backs is the reason why these elite rich stay rich. And how they are able to send jackals in the country, decentralize those countries, and take them over through militaries that they don't even own. While simultaneously creating um, uh, their own military, which is why you see... Um, uh, these these federal uh, these federal uh, police forces that are just coming out of nowhere like they're coming out of nowhere in New York suddenly the police force has added 85,000 more new federal police force to their abattoir and all and that goes to say we're seeing that more and more ladies and gentlemen to break it down in short uh, this is nothing more than that some of the troops from Operation Gladio that have been sitting in the background that are getting ready to pull false flags as we know it right now. Make no mistake, um, they are getting ready to EMP America. It, they really, really want to um, shut America down. Now, uh, uh, if you guys didn't know that, um, uh, I am blah, 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 I am sorry. If you guys didn't know about um, what was going on with the GoFundMe, uh, see the uh, the church drivers set up a, 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 a campaign, a financial support system with the GoFundMe, and they raised around $7.8 million. Now, um, a federal court was uh, moved into place to um, take that $7.8 million and give it to a, a charitable, a charitable uh, organizations. Basically, means like basically means like a Black Lives Matter, LGBT groups. Um, the Salvation Army, the Salvation Army, you know what I mean. The, play, the the charity organizations that have been set up that are nothing more than cash cows and and, and uh, they act as um, uh, they act as uh, laundry, uh, money laundering to a lot of these elites. That's how that's how a lot of these elites they they launder their money. They set up charitable organizations and they launder all their money through there. 
getting all these tax breaks and they don't have to pay tax. It's, it's a big loophole. But that being said, um, it is now it is now confirmed that um, the new the new campaign that they set up on Gives and Go, which they are already receiving, they're already were accumulating up to four point eight million dollars just on that campaign. Um, that money has been frozen by another court. Now you can still you can still like I was saying, you can still um, uh, donate to Gives and Go in the Freedom Convoy that is in Canada. However. It will not be able to go to them at all. I'm sure here soon that a judge will relinquish that money to another charitable organization. And by the way, what I said about um, uh, them giving money to Black Lives Matter and those type of um, organizations, that's not a lie. If you go and if you actually look up, and we have the information, we're going to post it right here. And if you look that up, um, some of the money was given to those uh, very fascist and Nazi um, Nazi. Uh, organizations that's exactly what they are and I'm going to keep on saying that because that's exactly what they are now um, I'm going to hit you guys with a little video that I want you guys to pay attention to because it is the same person that just uh, enacted the state of emergency it turns out that Doug Ford Probably one of those federal crack pipes that Biden just put in. I wonder. I wonder if Doug. I wonder if Dougie got a hold of Biden when he wasn't sleeping. Was just like, hey, bro, you got one of those federal crack pipes? Suddenly now, Trudeau doesn't seem that bad. That's a whole lot of crack smoke in there, buddy. But I'm sure Trudeau really doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't pay attention too much because after all, he's just looking out for the better of this Canadian people while walking down the aisle because he's a model. You don't want to lose your life. You better go inside, wear your mask, Canadian. After all, you are a good slave. While rounding all of them up late at night, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, the streets are being cleared as of right now. Well, I already stated that, uh, stated that a deal was struck with some of these 
protesters that it's hard to even call them that at this point. It's hard to even really, really call them protesters when they are simply standing up for a general human right of saying, I'm a human being, I am not a guinea pig science, science experiment. So all that is going on. I'm also going to give you a little piece of information. I don't know if you knew about little Dougie and him smoking crack with Biden. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's true or not. But what I would assume is true is that Biden's son was smoking crack with Dougie. I wonder if they had a very good relationship. I also wonder if they were able to get their uh, approved, uh, approved. Uh, um, I'm sorry. I also wonder if they were able to get their safe smoking kits and supplies that the federal government has just issued to everyone. The great city of San Francisco has already got theirs. After all, you are a good slave. While rounding all of them up late at night, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, the streets are being cleared as of right now. Well, I already stated that, uh, stated that a deal was struck with some of these protesters that it's hard to even call them that at this point. It's hard to even really, really call them protesters when they are simply standing up for a general human right of saying, I'm a human being, I am not a guinea pig science, science experiment. So all that is going on. I'm also going to give you a little piece of information. I don't know if you knew about little Dougie and him smoking crack with Biden. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's true or not. But what I would assume is true is that Biden's son was smoking crack with Dougie. I wonder if they had a very good relationship. I also wonder if they were able to get their uh, approved, uh, approved, uh, um, I'm sorry, I also wonder if they were able to get their safe smoking kits and supplies that the federal government has just issued to everyone. The great city of San Francisco has already got theirs. Now, moving forward, I don't know if you guys know this about little Dougie, but Doug Ford, Toronto Mayor Rob Ford's brother, sold a, quite a lot of hashish for several years in the 1980s. Another brother, Randy, was also involved, involved in the drug trade and was once charged in relation to a drug-related kidnapping. Their sister, Kathy, has been the victim of drug-related gun violence. She was actually kidnapped and was the one that was kidnapped. Now, in the 1980, anyone that wanted to buy hashish, they knew where to go. And it was straight to Doug Ford, right as it, right, uh, right as he enacts, uh, right as he enacts a state of emergency because he probably can't find crack. Now in Central Edinburgh, the wealthy Toronto suburb where Mayor Rob Ford grew up, one of those places where James Cordiana and Doug Ford sold quite a lot of hashish. That makes it quite a lot of sense, too. But if you ask Jen Psaki about all this, she would say it's an incorrect statement that we were supplying. I want to make sure I get this right because I don't want to be uh, uh, called a, a conspiracy theorist. Say smoking kits and apply. You see, it turns out um, uh, during an interview, I was, and we have the interview. We're about ready to play this for you uh, here in a second. But what I, what I find just uh, hilarious about this whole thing, about this whole um, um, thing, is simply the fact that, uh, uh, so during the during the uh, press conference, I'll say that, um, there was a press conference, and I'll play that for you here in a second, but during the press conference, Jen Psaki goes, no, um, the report and the claims that were first made was true. We are not supplying crack and meth kits to American citizens, okay? 
who the hell are you? Right? Like, <laughs> I'm being like, that's, that's what she said. But then she goes on by saying, we needed to take, we need to take them back because there are some things that we needed to take out of there. <laughs> you know what I mean? That being said, let's get to this. Um, we'll, we'll... Good. Thanks, Jen. Um, Agent Jess just put out the statement clarifying um, around some of the reports uh, that crack pipes are not going to be part of the safe smoking kits that are funded by the administration. Um, but can you clarify for us, were they never a part of the kit or were they removed in response to this reporting and this pushback? They were never a part of the kit. It was inaccurate reporting and we wanted to put out information to make that clear. What is in the safe smoking kit? Uh, so the safe smoking skin may contain alcohol swabs, lip balm, other materials to promote hygiene and reduce the transmission of diseases like HIV and hepatitis. I would note that what we're really talking about here is steps that we're taking as a federal government to address the opioid epidemic, which is killing uh, tens of thousands, if not more, Americans. Uh, every single day, week, month of the year. Uh, we put out this statement, though, because there was inaccurate information out there. Or I should say AJ just put out the statement because there was inaccurate information out there. And we wanted to provide clarification on the allowable uses for the HHS harm reduction program. It's not a change in policy. Uh, this program, though, is focused on harm reduction strategies, including prioritizing the use of fentanyl test strips and clean syringes. And all of these harm reduction services uh, that will be supported by these programs are, are intended to save lives from an epidemic that we know is, uh, is devastating to communities across the country. And then, so just for a final point on it, does the administration support any effort then to distribute drug paraphernalia? We, the statement makes clear uh, that we don't support federal funding, indirect or direct, for pipes. And then on the safe injection sites that the DOJ is evaluating, um, was this a, an ask from the White House that they review that policy? Because I know that for years DOJ has opposed efforts to open safe injection sites. It's under litigation, so I can't speak to that. But what I can tell you and reiterate is that uh, the White House is committed, as, as I will, as I would reiterate for you, many Democrats and Republicans, including Senator Cruz, uh, to taking steps to address the opioid crisis. This is not an issue that is inflicting just blue states. It is inflicting uh, millions of Americans across the country, and it is important that we take steps to address it. Final wrap of those two items. What would you say to critics who are concerned that um, the Biden administration is somehow encouraging legal drug use? I think that it's important to step back and remember, just to put a little more of a fine point on it, that we are losing an American life every five minutes to overdose. We don't have time for political games. Uh, the president's focused on saving lives through harm reduction programs. That's exactly what we're talking about here. They work in red states and they work in blue states. We know they save lives. They help connect people to treatment and recovery. And they were endorsed this week by a bipartisan commission co-chaired by Senator Tom Cotton that examined steps we must uh, take to address the devastating toll of overdoses. So what I would say is this is not a game. This is not a political game. This is an epidemic that is taking the life of Five of, uh, of an American every five minutes, and we need to work in a bipartisan way to address it. Oh, absolutely, Jen Saki. But is it really, really going to make a difference? After all, I don't know if you guys knew this, and we're going to put the video up for you so you see it. And we're also, before we put that uh, video up for you, federal funding for crack pipes. Nice little picture of a 
Joe Biden's son right there smoking crack back in the 2000s when um, Joe Biden would be on our uh, state uh, on our uh, congressional floor talking about the crack epidemic while his son is at home watching him on television smoking more crack than well then I don't I really don't have any puns to that but anyways uh, just just to reiterate on this now Washington DC uh, President Joe Biden's administration is about to start dueling out 30 million dollars for free crack pipes and other smoking apparatus to it, the addicts to make drug use safer and advance racial equity. It's not equality, it's racial equity, okay? I'm not racist, I just think black people can't read and they don't have IDs and that's why uh, we need to change the voting rules. Sorry, now anyways, the 30 million harm reduction program grant stopped accepting applications on Monday. And that is of course because they had to... Um, they stopped taking applications. Before I even really read into this, and after this, guys, we're going to take a short break, uh, get some music going and stuff like this. But the reason why they stopped, ap uh, stopped applications is because they had to supposedly take some stuff out of the uh, safe smoking kit supplies. They had to take something out of there. But after they take whatever they need to take out of there, they'll be right back to giving um, uh, to be a given uh um, uh, Doug, Dougie Ford, him and uh, uh, Joe Biden's son and Doug, Doug Ford will be back to smoking their federal crack pipes in no, no time. Just wait for it. Now, the program is, uh, description explained very recipient had to use the money to implement a specific list of harm reduction activities and provided a list that included safe smoking kit supplies. The, and you, uh, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services would begin handing out money to recipients in May. Now, a spokesperson told that to the Washington Free Beacon that the smoking supplied guys referred to the program guide would include pipes for users to smoke crack, cocaine, crystal methamphetamine, and any illicit substances. But of course, of course, I am sure the um, I am sure the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services spokesman. I'm sure the, he just didn't. He didn't, um, you know, he didn't uh, pronounce that the right way. What he really, really meant to say is we're spending $30 million on racial equity into solving the crack epidemic and the opiate ep epidemic, which is scourging across America. Never mind the fact that it was started by the pharmaceutical, uh, pharmaceutical uh, companies, but we're going to push that aside and we're just going to focus on how Americans are a bunch of drug addicts and we're not going to focus on who made the drug. We're not going to focus on that. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to focus on that. No, we're not going to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is freaking astounding on how we are being brainwashed and we are, how we are being subjugated every single time. I'm sick of the main news because that's all they focus on. They never want to give you the real, real truth. They don't want to, they want to give you the Republican truth. They want to give you the left-wing truth. I'm not, this is not what Subliminal Message Studios is all about. I'm going to make that clear. I will hunt every single one of you down because you guys are so arrogant. You make everything you do illegally, you make it public. Which is, I don't know why you do that. Why do you make it public? As if I'm not going to go, especially when the internet's around. 
I no longer have to spend, you know, if this was back in the 80s and the early 70s, you know what I mean? If I was doing this back then, I would have to spend hours and hours probably at the courthouses looking for documents, looking through documents. But now, you see, I can just go online and you guys publicize everything you do like jackasses. You're so arrogant about it. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, I, I can't even do it anymore. We have so much more news. I Once again, I'm going to reiterate on how... The opium epidemic has everything to do with pharmaceutical companies. It has everything to do with how the cartels are actually tied into the pharmaceutical companies and how the pharmaceutical companies are tied into the CIA, the FBI, and other black uh, uh, black hand groups, ladies and gentlemen. But let's go to uh, let's go to a quick break and let's get right back to it after that because this is bombshell shit. And keep in mind, before I even go on break, the one thing that Sleepy Biden has done, which is, which is, which is this. I know, I'm sure some, some of you are like, oh, you really, you're okay with uh, President Biden taking $3 billion away from, $3.5 billion away from 9-11 victims? First of all, these guys, he took $3.5 billion away from a bunch of terrorists out in Afghanistan. They weren't American 9-11 victims, but I love how ABC News puts it. And that, I'm going to get to that before or after I get to our main being skeptical because I wanted to crack down and really truly break down this opiate epidemic and give you the real truth behind the matter and where it actually started from. This is Subliminal Message Studios.
loves. She loves school. The harm you have done to her, she still loves school. She loves her teachers, her therapists, her helpers, above all, her principal at Scott School. Her team goes above and beyond for her. Her LBS has gone to the moon and back for her. She's a happy and outgoing girl. And the countless positive and influential people that have helped her along the way, her team and her principal at Scott School have been such great role models to her. Her dream is to work there someday. She talks nothing else than wanting to be a teacher or wanting to go to school and be in market school. I can only name a few people in her life that have harmed her and actively participated in holding her back and stopping her progress, and almost every one of them is in this room tonight. The past two years have been shameful as the district has been busy lauding themselves while they enact policies that have absolutely been devastating to her growth. We have seen two years of almost no growth, missed goals, goals removed. Her team is doing everything that they can. We've hired specialists. She still loves school. My 10-year-old daughter has kept these feelings to herself about how much she desperately wants to take her mask off. When we told her that it may be possible on Monday, she cried, tears. She jumped up and down. She told us that she was so excited that people may finally be able to understand her. You've harmed her so much with this. Everybody talks about, everybody's got to be safe, everybody's got to have everything, and we've left so many children behind. We've tried to protect her. This morning, she got up before us, and she started singing a song to her dolls about how excited she was that kids were finally going to be able to see her smile, that she was going to be able to see other kids' smiles, that kids would be able to understand her, and she would stop being picked on because they could not understand her through her mask, because her speech has been delayed even more than her special needs. She's a strong girl, but when I heard her do that, and I heard the things that she said, it broke me. I will never forgive myself for not fighting more. I feel that I have failed her for not fighting more. This district uses hashtags, be bold. Next to everything, you continue hiding behind others instead of leaving and fighting for the kids that need you the most. You've left them behind while you say that there's no lost learning vulnerable like my daughter have lost and she won't get these things back her team is doing everything they can and we respect them and we'll go do anything for them but you have failed them time on behalf of the whole board thank you for your comments Ladies and gentlemen, and this is Subliminal Message Studios, and as always, I am your host, Leonardo. Well, regardless of uh, Jen Psaki and how many times she lies, she was telling the truth on certain things. There is an opiate epidemic. She just wasn't telling you on where it really started from. Well, who created these type of compounds, these type of drugs, and released them onto the public? It's just now coming out that the CIA was the ones that started the crack epidemic and in their own scientific laboratories, they are the ones that created it too. But of course, we don't really touch base on that. Is this the same thing or is this just history repeating itself? 
as it comes to find out how nice as as in throughout this whole pandemic drug overdoses and suicide rates are more of a threat to the population of america than covid 19 or any of these other various viruses ever were just to show we have some statistics here um, and these are uh, reported by uh not to pick on the city of San Francisco, but these, it just, uh, we're just um, uh, doing this on, uh, specifically on the city of San Francisco because it is just such a shining light, a shining beacon within the United States. But what isn't a sh shining beacon is this. Accidental drug overdose deaths began to spike in the mid two, in the mid to late 2010s as fentanyl infiltrated the local drug market. Oh yeah, it infiltrated the local drug market. Fentanyl can be up to 50 times more potent than heroin and any lethal, even any lethal drug that there is to men. Now, uh, about 54 people have died each month from accidental drug overdoses in 2021 with 650 total deaths. That makes the 2021 the first year since 2012. Now, I do have some uh, uh, more, just uh, I'm gonna put up a demograph right there just to give you guys a broad perspective on just how bad it is. And within uh, 2017, there's 222 deaths. In 2018, there's 259 deaths. In 2019, there's 441. And in 2020, there's 711. 2021, there's 650. Now, the city saw prior to the introduction of fentanyl, um, this is by uh, Dr. Philip, uh, Philip Coffins the City Health Depart uh, Department's Director of Substance Use Research. In 2010, San Francisco's overdose death rate was at about 13 per 100,000 people compared with 49 other states in 2020. Now, the city of San Francisco has had to file a lawsuit and actually sue, uh, sue some of the school systems. Um, and I have this for you right here. San Francisco filed suit to reopen schools, citing high suicide rates and high overdose among children. That is just freaking fantastic. Now, uh, the number of suicidal children in San Francisco hit a record high, and health experts say it is time for schools to reopen. But keep on a mask, though. You're still a dirty slave. Um, uh, USF uh, Bennett Children's Hospital has seen a 66% increase in the number of suicidal children and 78% in the number of overdose children. And uh, I, uh, I made, I kind of, I kind of ad lit that last part, but 78% um, is actually uh, literally correct. Now, and a 75% increase in youth who are required hospitalization for mental health services. Now, this includes increase in anxiety, depression, eating disorders among children, consistent with overall the national health data. That means these numbers. These numbers, ladies and gentlemen, that legitimately means that these numbers are all around, all around numbers for the all around national average. That's almost a national average. That's basically what they're saying. Now, San Francisco's 52,000 public school students have been out of class since March. Uh, public health officials have allowed city schools to reopen since September, but that uh, um, and that's uh, the district and churches units have not been able to finalize a deal on reopening. Uh, the schools, meaning they have been, um, San Francisco's children have been in virtualized learning ever since this pandemic has started. They never really went back to school, and the reasons why they are having to sue, the city, city of San Francisco is having to school, sue the fucking school, I'm sorry, is because there is such a high overdose rate and such a high rate of, of kids 
that are killing themselves because they are feeling such a great loss in their natural life. This is fucking ridiculous. And all this is going on, and all this is going on. We have this going on by the great state of San Jose, uh, San Jose City passed a new gun ordinance law. The San Jose City Council passed a proposed ordinance on Tuesday night that would require gun owners to carry liability for each gun they have and each gun they choose and want to carry, including a $25 Bogan fee. This is the first time uh, the, the bill was passed with only one no vote and a second pass with three no votes. Sounds fantastic, doesn't it? And it, it sounds like we're really, really moving up in the world. As a matter of fact, I think we have some more footage of just how good we are moving up in the world there. Now, what I never see any of these guys talking about, which is why I'm going to bring this up to you, and it's truly why I'm, try, I'm going to try to take as much time on these articles and give you the correlations, which is why I wanted to touch base with the, give you this, the national data on our death rates, our overdose rates, and our suicide rates, and um, this inclusion of fentanyl. But one thing they never will, will mention, and it's not like this is secret knowledge. This is all public information. You have to understand this. This is all public. These, the people that kill you are so arrogant, they've done it so much, they've enslaved you so much psychologically that they make what they do public because after all, and they have to too, before I even go there, they have to. You understand that? And it's just, the Nazis, before they started rounding up everyone, you have to understand, they made everything they did legal. And not just legal, they got the general, uh, the general acceptance of the general population because they know it is truly up to you to accept these things. It is truly up to you to accept them and die by them, which is what they want you to do. They want to keep the schools closed so they can continue to see more suicidal death rates go skyrise. They want to see your children take bad salt and act like a zombie. You don't understand. The reason why they never mention where fentanyl comes from and how it really, really started it's because as soon as the American people realize and find out where fentanyl actually came from and how it came to be, ladies and gentlemen, you think this pandemic would have started something. Wait until you see how these pharmaceutical companies work and how are they able, they're able to produce these drugs like Adderall that have methamphetamine in it, but it's legal. Drugs like Zoloft. Drugs like Oxycontin, which started, which actually started the epidemic. But listen, uh, this this is very very uh, important, right? The death rate, and these and these, uh, uh, by the way, these uh, this this what I'm about to read is a uh, public uh, public documents and actually public records that, that were put out by the CDC back in uh, the early 2000s and the early 1990s. Um, it just got pushed underneath, you know, a load of loads and loads of other papers, but listen to this, guys, all right, now, the death rate to avoid, uh, to opiate analytics nearly quadrupled in the U.S. from 1999 to 2011, as responsible for 33,991 uh, 33, deaths in 2015. The increased demand for opiates has led to the increased availability for heroin and the proliferation uh, of real counterfeit opiate pills in the illicit drug markets. Synthetic opiates such as fentanyl, fentanyl analogs, and other novel compounds such as U47700 and MT45 
are an emerging public health threat detected in wild heroin, black tartarin, and pills. Although some are banned by the USDA and international drug agencies, pharmaceutical manufacturers are able to produce drug analogs at a faster rate than these compounds can be controlled. That means that is one of the reasons why they're able to make Adderall. And particularly, um, uh, knowing that methamphetamine is one of the uh, main dilutes in Adderall, they changed. They took out one compound out of out of like you know out of methamphetamine. They took out one little compound and they went up to the DEA and the DEA said, "Guys, this is almost like pure methamphetamine." And they said, "No, it's not. Look, it, it has this one compound out of it." And the DEA or the um, the um, the, uh, uh, the DEA and, and, and international, the, the other international drug agency said, "All right, cool. It's not. It's it's legal, and this is how it works." But I, I'm going to keep on going with this. Listen to this, guys, because this is out of this fucking world. Now, um, <laughs> pharmaceutical manufacturers, excuse me, are able to produce drugs analogs at a faster rate than these compounds can be controlled or scheduled. A process that requires lengthy evidence gathering by drug agencies. Detection requires specialized testing and, clinica, uh, and clinical studies need to have strong index of suspicion to recognize the possibility of a synthetic opiate causing respiratory depression, altered mental status, mosis, and the other hallmarks of opiate toxicity in patients. This review, we discussed the multiple, uh, multiple factorial aspects of fentanyl, fentanyl analog and novel synthetic opiates in regards to epidemiology, legal status, pharmaceuticalology, detection, and the care of poison patients. A systematic search for articles about synthetic opiates including fentanyl, fentanyl analogs, and other novel psycho, uh, psychoactive substances was conducted on, uh, was conducted on May 1st, 2017. A broad search technique was used to discredit all articles relating that into pharmaceutical companies to, to uh, all relating to pharmaceutical companies to conjure up or encompass better relations to those pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies to make those articles irrelevant and or excluding them from the results. I am not kidding you guys. This was done by the CDC. This is research that was done by the CDC and was released to all the main pharmaceutical companies. This main, this guys, this right here, this right here, this was released. This is the document that was released to Moderna, Pfizer, all of the main huge pharmaceutical industries. And this was our, this was the document that was released to them and how to sway the public into believing that no, trust us. Trust us. Take the vaccination. Get your shot. Get 10 boosters. Die. But trust us. And to knowing that it was not the vaccine. And oh, not only that, we didn't take the time to discredit all of the other articles that were being publicized all throughout this pandemic and discrediting them and ultimately leaving them out of these results of what they were trying to hide. Now, uh, uh, getting back to uh, the juicy, uh, juicy. Now, 
Juicy, juicy. This is going to fall in line with the Sackler family. And if you don't know who the Sackler family is, they're the ones that created the famous Oxycontin um, pill, which was very, very famous back in the early 2000s, even before that. You know, Little White had a song about that, you know. Oxycontin, Xanax, Bars, Percocet, and Lords, and you know, nah, 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 all that other, you know, shenanigans, you know what I mean? But he had a song directly about that. Now, get this, guys. Now, a, re uh, a, recent, judge reject uh, a recent judge rejected a settlement with the Sackler family for the role in the opiate crisis. It wasn't just a role. They directly, directly are the ones that started the opiate crisis within America. Yet, this is something that Saki will not talk about. This is something that KTV will not talk about. This is something that any mainstream media will not talk about it because they do not want to tell you that it was a pharmaceutical company that first produced fentanyl. They're the ones that created it and released it to the public. This is nothing more than history repeating itself, ladies and gentlemen. We have some footage on just that. Let's you know, ladies and gentlemen, just to reiterate and just to give you a little more information, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to keep on hitting these guys with as much as possible to try to really, really get it through. That when Jen Psaki or when, when you start to see this talking point of the opiate crisis, this is something that they will never truly bring up. The same thing that goes here. The same thing when, uh, that goes when they're talking about the, the overspending with schools. They'll continue with these talking points of, oh, we just need to, we're, we're not putting the money in the right right area. We're not, oh, we're, we're overspending and we're not we're not doing the right things with the money. We, or, or, oh, we need to uh, take more money and spend more money out of the taxpayers, uh, out of the tax, out of the taxpayer. They will never bring up these certain points. Oh, it was a pharmaceutical company that actually made fentanyl and they're the ones that mass produced it. Oh, there's secret balloting on our educational board committees. So even if we do uh, put the money elsewhere or spend more money, it doesn't matter because the same people that are in charge of putting the money in different schools, the people on the education committees, they, there's, it's all secret. It's all done through secret balloting. It doesn't matter. They're, they've been on the committee for years and years and years doing the same exact thing while all senators in the Midwest play fucking ticker tack. It's ridiculous. But let me hit you with this, guys, all right? Now, the number of overdoses related to black market opiates is at a record high. More than 100 deaths for the past for the last 12-month period measured. And this is a, as of a 2000, uh, uh, 2021. I'm very sorry. Now, the surge of fentanyl and synthetic opiates is a major part of all that. Experts link American crisis back to the original marketing and distribution of legal opiates by Perderma Pharma. Now, Perderma Pharma, before I even go back into this, Perderma Pharma actually, also were the ones that did side deals with who? Moderna. With who else? Pfizer. Yeah. Let me uh, keep on going. This now. This is a, if you don't know who Perdura, Perdura, Purdue Pharma is, is they're the ones that made the drug OxyContin, a very famous, uh, uh, highly addicted drug OxyContin, which was then well, uh, which was then put into the rap industry because Purdue. It comes out that Purdue is actually paying, was actually paying rappers such as. Thomas, or uh, not Thomas, but uh, paying rappers such as uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't. I don't know his actual name. Uh, he's a uh, he's a uh, uh, he's 
Lil White, I'm sorry, he was, uh, uh, Perdue was actually paying rappers like Lil White to speak about Oxycontin and its coolness. And uh, we have the documents on that too. Yeah. Uh, but let me keep on going with this. Now the company, that's uh, Purdue Pharma is the company that made Oxycontin. And the family that owns that company is the Sacklers. Now, a federal judge overturned a $4.5 billion settlement um, that reached between the company and the Sacklers and the local governor. Now, the most recently, uh, most recent ruling mean that, meaning uh, meant that Purdue Pharmacy had to file bankruptcy, which also means it alleviates them from all of the legal uh, of the legal lawsuits that are being produced through them. Because if they file bankruptcy, they can just simply say, we don't have the money to pay all the people that we've killed and all the people that we've hurt. Now, um, uh, that's even, uh, uh, that is even um, uh, um, quoted by uh, Patrick Redeem Keefe, uh, Patrick Dean, uh, I'm sorry, not Patrick. Um, that is even quoted by uh, uh, the Sackler, the Sackler attorneys and the uh, Sackler Commission. Um, it was a bankruptcy duel. Uh, now, um, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, pa- yeah, Patrick Redding Keep. Um, uh, he he was author of Empire of Pain, and um, he says this is quote. This is a really quite shocking development that this really happened, and this was irreversible. Yeah, right. They knew exactly what they were doing, and they actually created, like, we now we're just now finding out, and now we're just now learning. They're the ones that actually created fentanyl. But don't worry. Jin Saki is going to save the day by socking into everyone. Now, all the lawsuits that have been against the company essentially couldn't, couldn't fi- uh, could no longer hold the Sackler and or Purdue Pharma to its, um, Two of the things they did, they couldn't, they could not, they can no longer, uh, they can no longer hold uh, Purdue Pharma for the drugs that they created and gave to the world. And now that there is a big opiate crisis, well, we're all just going to wipe our hands and you know, fuck it. And we're going to continue on with the fact that you know this is a opiate crisis, like Saki says. And the Biden administration is going to continue on giving everyone federal crack pipes while Dougie and his son smoke their federal crack pipe. And then watch uh, the Biden administration talk about how we all need to wear masks and this and that. Speaking about the Biden administration, there is one thing that I find ultimately hilarious. Now, this is an ABC article. You also see it on uh, on screen right about now. Um, now, um, Af- and this is the headline, guys. Afghans protest. U.S. moved to unfreeze 3.5 billion for 9/11 victims. Now, Kabul, Afghanistan, demonstrators in Afghanistan's capital on Saturday condemned President Joe Sleepy, ordered uh, uh, ordered or, or for him ordering a freeze a freezing a freeing of 3.5 billion Afghan assets held in the U.S. for families of American 9/11 victims. Now, uh, uh, protesters who gathered outside of Cabal's Grand, Cabal's Grand AK Goy Mosque, asked America for financial compensation for the tens of thousands of Afghans killed during the last 20 years of war in Afghanistan. Now, Biden, uh, so I'm just going to jump right into uh, what they're claiming. And this is, and once again, I happen to break this down because this is an ABR, ABC article. I have what. Facts, you know what I mean? I have the real I have the real documents uh, I have the real documents right over here and um, we'll actually see what he actually did. Um, however, I, I love how the, the, the starting to this article is 9-11 victims. 
the Afghan the Afghanistaners are are, try, are are claiming to be 9/11 victims. Now I, I'm not gonna lie, uh, there were some stinkiness going on with the twin towers getting blown to shit, and especially with the uh, building seven getting blown to shit. But that never gets produced on uh, our news, and that's there's a very big reason why for that because building seven was almost six seven blocks away from the twin towers, and yet it crumbled to the floor as if there was already um, a demolition set up in there. But I don't know. We're not gonna go there right now. Um, now, uh, just to reiterate on uh, on this, um, tweets repeatedly uh, pointed out that the 9/11 hijackers hijackers were Saudi nationals, not Afghans. Uh, Abdullah Abira, um, a lecturer at the American University in Afghanistan and a social activist, tweeted, "Let's remind the world that Afghans did not commit 9/11." And hashtag Biden stealing Afghan money. Now, Al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden was brought to Afghanistan by Afghan warlords after being expelled from Sudan in 1996. That's correct. Now, the same warlords were later allied with the U.S.-led coalition to oust the Taliban in 2001. Uh, 2001 I'm sorry. Now, the Taliban leader Mullah Mohammed Omar, who refused to hand over bin Laden to the U.S. after the devastating 9-11 attacks that killed thousands. Um, and now we're just in, um, once again... I'm going to clue because now we know that um, uh, Mullah Muhammad Omar was actually a CIA asset, and the CIA was actually holding Osama bin Laden in America at the time of the 9/11 attacks. He was at an American um, hospital. Now that's come out, and it's uh, but but still, but still, ABC puts out these articles as if oh, 9/11 victims, right? 9/11 victims, they're the victims. It's not that it, it, we, you know. It's not that we were at war, because I'm 100 percent sure when you're at war, everything and everyone is a victim. There are no true winners in war. This is the reality of it, okay? And, and I love, I love how spicy their, how how juicy their topics are. 9/11 victims. 9/11 victims. What about the American victims, huh? What about all the American lives that you blew to hell? When 9-11 happened, when you blew up the Twin Towers, what about them? Honestly, what about them? I, I'm, I'm asking you, uh, ex-president George Bush, what about them? Because, you know, let's face facts, it was your uh, brother that was head of security, and he sat down of head of security within the Twin Towers a day before the hijackers supposedly went into uh, uh, hit the Twin Towers and blew them up. But... That's not really going to be discussed about. Oh, you know what else is not going to be discussed about? How about we don't discuss and talk about how the insurance claims were almost quadrupled two weeks before 9-11 happened with the Twin Towers and Building 7, too. Yeah, the owners of Building 7, which you guys know who that is. And if you don't, his name, his face is going to be right there. And the owner of the Twin Towers at the time. Their names are right there, too. They quadrupled their insurance. Just two weeks before 9-11 happened. But you know what? I, I get it. I get it. Afghans are the victims. They're the real victims here. Americans don't mean shit. What we need to do is put on our masks, take our vaccinations, and shut the fuck up. I understand it. I'm a good little slave. And any of you, after going through all this news, all, all of this juicy whole stack of news that's just been filled up with so much elegance, so much um, awesomeness, honestly, we have one more thing to get to. Um, first black federal judge in Alabama asked Biden not to nominate Katania Brown Jackson to Supreme Court. If you don't know who Katania Brown Jackson is, uh, here's a video for you right here so you can see for yourself what a Nazi really, really sounds like and what a Nazi looks like.
16 years ago when I was a federal public defender. Right. Was that case assigned to you as a federal public defender? It was. Who was the client that you had? Senator, I don't remember the name. Okay. Could we get that for the record, please? Sure. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Jackson, Jimmy. Jackson Acumi. Acumi. Thank you. I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, in your legal uh, career, have you ever represented a terrorist in Guantanamo Bay? No, Senator. Thank you. Uh, I want to speak about race discrimination in the Constitution. Ms. Jackson, I mean, does the Constitution allow the government to treat Americans differently because of their race? No, Senator. Thank you. I agree with that. Ms. Jackson, I agree with that. No, Senator. Thank you. Uh, let's turn to religious liberty. She's going to use it to her advantage. She's going to make sure, you know, and this is how it's worked. I love how she says, oh, the law, land, the law of the land isn't perfect, but I'm still going to use that to my advantage. And I'm going to shove that in your face and make sure all of you senators on congressional floor, as I say this to you, understand that I hold power and your lives don't matter. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, now, um, you know, here's the headline. This is the Hill, uh, Hill article. Now. First black federal judge in Alabama asked Biden not to nominate Katinia Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court. 
And that first uh, black federal judge in Alabama was um, UD, uh, UW Clemenson, or Ura. Uh, I hope I'm not butchering your name, man. If I am, I'm so sorry. I was trying to get the name down as I was uh, researching this, but I, I couldn't, man, I'm sorry. Um, it's Yura W. Clement. I, I, I have, I'm gonna post a couple videos for you here at the end of this, um, after I know this little segment on this, just so you guys can see what um, uh, things he talks about, some of the little segments, um, that some of the little uh, discussions that he's had. And I find it ultimately hilarious that he's literally uh, one of the first, he's the first black judge in Alabama, and he literally asked Biden not to nominate her. And why he asked Biden not to nominate her? Well, it's because she's a Nazi. And I'm going to leave that to a questionnaire because even uh, Sleepy Poopy couldn't really get to it. Now, in closing, ladies and gentlemen, what does all this mean? It means that the Midwest has become a true beacon of light. It means that the Midwest in particular, and Nebraska in particular, has become such a powerhouse with our economy that the global elites have to immediately immediately start the decentralization within a Nebraska that's why you see such this hard push that's why you see mutual Walmart getting such this big fund of money out of nowhere that's why you see the decentralization of our highways and the privatization of our highways ladies and gentlemen that is exactly why you see them trying to eradicate our educational systems and that's also why you see them keeping the police force busy with them supposedly working with the FBI. Keep in mind, let's not forget that this is the same FBI that ran Operation Fast and Furious. This is the same FBI that put in FBI provocatives to start the riot during January 6th. Oh, the department, the, uh, oh, I forgot, the Pentagon, they won't answer those questions. Sorry. This is the same FBI that helped, that helped run drugs for the Cuban, uh, for the Colombian cartel back when the Nicaragua wars were going on. Same thing with the CIA. And I also want to mention, when I, when he, and, and this is another thing that I really, really want to put into context, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of people, I, I get it, like a lot, everyone has this, uh, when you hear about the FBI and the CIA and these, even the Department of Justice, everyone thinks it's just like one whole group. And that's not how it really operates. You have to understand that they're, the FBI is kind of like the Crips. And when the Crips first started, it was one group. And then nowadays it's got, you know, this is the Crips, there's these Crips, these Crips. Oh, these Crips are Crips and Bloods at the same time, but they're still Crips. That's how the FBI and the CIA are working now. So it's not like, you know, one group controls all the other groups. That's not how it works. There's rogue groups within the FBI that do these kind of things, and they don't answer to anyone. Did you know the War Commission part of the FBI is still operating till this day? That's back when the fucking Watergate was going around, okay, guys? What I'm trying to say is I, I, I see America, the world, waking up to its bone. What we need to do is start getting our own talking points. And forget the media, all right? Forget, forget, forget the mainstream media because they will never truly tell you guys who really produced this drug? They'll never really focus on, oh, well, what law got put into place for this to be more relevant? They'll never really give you the full truth. They'll just give you little, little bit of points of talking points so you can then go to your friends and act like you're cool and act like you know what you're talking about. The reality is, is you have to get into a dark place. You really do, ladies and gentlemen. You have to get into a dark place to really, really start learning and formulating your own opinions, your own concepts. And that is what Subliminal Message Studios is here to do.
okay? We're not here to follow what the mainstream establishment is telling everyone. We're not here to follow what the alternative mainstream, uh, alternative uh, stream of establishment is is telling us. What Subliminal Message Studios ultimately here to do is to give the world faith back and hope back, because that is what truly scares the globalists and the elites. That is truthfully and honestly what scares these people to death is when they see a world that has so much faith that they are no longer worried about being happy because they know that happy is only a moment's notice. But having faith and being and having courage and being honorable amongst your man and woman, it shuts the evil away right away. Ladies and gentlemen, please like, subscribe, Please donate, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of the uh, main ways that this, this, these broadcasts can keep on getting put out. And um, either way this goes, I will keep on funding this operation. I don't care if I only have pennies to the dollar. I will continue to do this no matter what. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Leonardo. This is Subliminal Message Studios, and we will see you tonight with our late time, uh, late night podcast talk show. And we will also see you tomorrow where we analyze more local news, more world news. Lord knows there's so much I couldn't even get to because it does take time to truly, truly find out. And also patience. It takes patience to really, really find out what's going on in this world. I know everyone is so quick to be like, well, I want the answer now. The reality is, the reality of it is, is when these types of things happen, you, to give you real news, and to really, really give you like the real information of what you really, really, really need to know, it takes time. It takes patience. It takes court documents. It takes me filing affidavits under the Freedom of Information Act just to get some of these, just to get some of these documents. You know, and, and it takes a lot of money, ladies and gentlemen. So please like, subscribe, donate as, as if you can or if you will, ladies and gentlemen. That being said, take it easy, and I am. Out.